Augmented reality opens new doors for creatives who dare to implement technology in their art. The outcomes are not necessarily experimental. Sometimes the integration of virtual elements into the real world hides from the audience. In this episode, we learn from a research project what those hidden opportunities for AR in the culture sector could be. By the end of this episode, you should know what an augmented performer is. Cultural Heritage 2.0 My name is Madeleine Habich. I am part of the Erasmus Plus project Cultural Heritage 2.0 and my interview partner for today is Adrian Atacho. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Madeleine. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you here again. Would you like to briefly introduce yourself and tell us why I'm saying again? That's right, because this is not the first podcast we record. We actually recorded a previous episode which uh, revolved around the concept of augmented performance and different kinds of augmented performance, different media, different uses, different examples in that universe. I am myself a composer and artistic researcher at the University of Music and Performing Arts, Vienna. The title of my dissertation is The Augmented Performer. Note the very intentional wording here. So we are not talking about augmented performances this time, which as a refresher would be some kind of digital or multimodal performance where you um, perhaps add elements to to the real world or you use some kind of projection, some kind of, well, there's many, many ways to proceed. I, I recommend you, you listen to the previous episode for that. The topic today is the augmented performer, which is a bit of a provocative uh, framing. I'm particularly interested in the uses of technology. One could, one could say uh, this is also technology-mediated performance. But they use some of technology that are kind of hidden to the audience. They don't have as a goal to present you with a different layer of reality. They don't enrich your perception using some kind of digital art, if you want to imagine it in that way. It's uses of technology that allow the performer to achieve feats of performance um, skill and performance expression that wouldn't be possible without this technology. Let me let me explain what I mean by that. This is everything to be understood within the broader trend of some people have called it the augmented era in the ways that technology helps humans achieve more sophisticated, more uh, impressive feats in different fields, not not only in art necessarily. Specifically in the performing arts, there has always been, as, as, as soon as there was some technological advancement, there's always been this assistance, this uh, integration. We can think about the, the, the stage, all the technical courses to a, a modern theater stage. What I'm talking about when I mean augmented performer, I'm talking about, uh, for example, the uses of uh, such something as simple as a click track. For example, that's something that you want here. You won't see during the performance, but it helps in the performer keep track. Or 
we're talking about um, screen scores where the performer is reading not from a paper, but some kind of animation, some kind of uh, score that changes over time, controlled by a third element or somebody else. I choose to frame it around the performer because what I'm interested in is in which ways do these technologies expand the capabilities of the, of the performer and, and the reasons that, that artists seem to argue to use this technology. Why is it this integration between human and non-human um, actors in a stage for a performance takes this form and not other forms? And uh, probably you don't have an example yet in your mind, side. I could possibly articulate the different kinds of technology I'm referring to. The first one would be the, the easiest one. is uses of technology aimed at assisting the performer in the precision of a specific performance, in the, in the memory required to remember a whole passage, say. Like, that's, for example, some uses of click track that where you hear a, a specific frequency that you need to tackle that is perhaps very difficult to to reach if you don't have perfect pitch. Maybe it's a microtonal sequence that would be very hard to memorize, would require a very, very good ear. You can assist your performers with something like that, like giving them kind of like a, a whispering in their ear the specific pitch. But there's also, uh, for example, other uses of similar technology aimed at integrating the audience into the performance in a more participative way. I'm thinking of the radio ballets, which is a format where um, the audience members are given headphones and they receive instructions or they hear different things or voices or cues or music, could be anything. And by following these instructions, the people participating in the performance, I won't say performance because it could be a combination of performers and audience, they articulate they articulate a dance, a ballet, a radio ballet probably is the, the best term, that wouldn't be possible without that technological element. What you see from outside is not the technological element. You cannot hear what these people are listening to, but the output is produced in some way through this technological medium, the technological solution. That would be the easiest, the most um, graspable example of technology-mediated um, performance, documented performer in action. Then there's uh, more specific uses that kind of extend the capabilities of the performer in different ways. Let's say there's some wearable technology that allows you to feel in different parts of your body. There was this um, researcher who made a vest where he could feel kind of the status of Twitter at any specific time, how many people were writing positive words or negative words. And he was wearing this vest as a kind of like seventh, seventh sense uh, built on his body that allowed him to react to a, something that was not there physically, which is the something as abstract as the the state of mind of the collective Twitter community. And there's also very interesting uses of technology like um, live coding combined with choreography, which is um, 
what Kate Sikio does in his hacking choreography series. She would be performing and she uses her body movements quasi as a way to interact with code in real time. And the code is at the same time um, conforming her choreography. So this is not just helping a singer reach a specific pitch. It's extending the, the realm of possibilities for a given performance. And we can think in this category of all the translocal performances, all the experiments done during pandemics with the concerts happening in different places at the same time. Um, I'm thinking here, for example, um, on this uh, piece by Johannes Kretz, uh, who is a composer and a professor at the University of Music and Performing Arts of Vienna, which he named um, a Turing test for dancers, which which involved one dancer in Vienna and one dancer, I think I recall it properly, it was in, in Bratislava, and each of them was reacting to um, to an avatar of the other one, which was actually a laser projector. So they were interacting with each other by means of some kind of internet connection, by means of some kind of visual uh, representation of the other dancer, these are all things that expand the realm of possibility on a stage. And the last one, which I think is the most intriguing for me, are the uses of technology which contribute to the complexity of a given human performance. I'm, I'm speaking of, in an orchestra, everybody has to look at the director in an, the ensemble music, Everybody listens to everybody, but ensembles tend to be smaller. There's a given bandwidth that every performer has, or in, in, a, in a big choreography, you can only really be aware of a handful of people around you. And that it informs actually the shape of a choreography or, or the size of an orchestra. But when you begin using this kind of uh, media, you begin using um, technology as a proxy to communicate and interact with another performer, there's not really a limitation to how complex could that network be. And so you could be performing not just with five people on the stage, you could be performing with five people on 20 different stages at the same time. And when that happens, the design of the network, that is which kind of interaction is allowed and, and which ones are are prescribed from the performance is kind of inscribing the piece in the communication system that you set in piece. And then you begin having actions that are triggered by actions. These complex systems are, are characterized by non-linear behavior and chaotic behaviors. And you enter the very intriguing realm of post-human art is this intention am i doing this gesture because i wanted to am i reacting to a real person on the other side is this all the result of a very complex network of human and not human actors at the same time can we still call that human art are we transcending this or is there a privilege audience outside who can really take it all or it's like 
larger in scale to what we have been doing in the in the past. Well, I've been talking a lot, but that's basically my my passion and the and the area that I devote my research to at the moment. One can hear it's your passion and it's truly interesting. So from what I heard from you, um, it is much more than a performer relying on the technology. It's a way of interacting with technology, right? Exactly, exactly. Because um, we tend to think of technology as, as a solution to a problem, a technological means to an end. But it is also true that this solution by itself opens the possibility for different kinds of artistic expression. Like we, we know it with examples like uh, this ultra-famous DALI algorithm that makes uh, hyper-realistic images from, from a prompt, from a text prompt, right? Uh, there's a lot of controversy about it, but it's basically one more tool for an artist to realize an artistic vision, same way that... 3D plotting software was when it was invented. The same thing that uh, computer-assisted composition has been for a long time. We have programs that assist us in producing music. As soon as you have one medium like this, you have a tool like this, the expression, the artistic expression changes. There's very silly examples, but you know the mainstream singers who, who use the... An algorithm to repitch their their singing as they are doing it. I'm blanking on the name, but that's some kind of um, technological solution that was invented for a specific problem and was reappropriated by the artist as a means of expression. A, a previous project that we did during the pandemic called the social distancing, with an accent on the dancing part of it, we were exploring how video conference, Zoom, as everybody uh, got to know it during pandemics, was a valid means for creative collaboration, not as a substitute for a real-world performance, real-world uh, practice, which or might not be, but as a, as a creative means on its, in its own right that would produce different kind of artistic output. So after having a session over Zoom, dancers produce a piece that wouldn't have happened any other way. And that has some value. It's, it's an, uh, are hidden affordances in every use of technology that can be, can be repurposed, can be reclaimed, can be used in, in different ways. You talked a lot about opportunities, and I think all of our listeners have something maybe on their own mind, um, what would be possible with this technology. But from your point of view and um, from where you are in your research um, at the moment, do you see that there are borders for this technology? Like, is there something where it stops? Exactly, exactly. Because um, we tend to think of technology as, as a solution to a problem, a technological means to an end. But it is also true that this solution by itself opens the possibility for different kinds of artistic expression. Like we, we know it with examples like uh, this ultra-famous DALI algorithm that makes uh, hyper-realistic images from, from a prompt, from a text prompt, right? 
there's a lot of controversy about it, but it's basically one more tool for an artist to realize an artistic vision, same way that 3D plotting software was when it was invented. The same thing that uh, computer-assisted composition has been for a long time. We have programs that assist us in producing music. As soon as you have one medium like this, you have a tool like this, the expression, the artistic expression changes. There's very silly examples, but you know the mainstream singers who, who use the, an algorithm to repitch their, their singing as they are doing it. I'm blanking on the name, but that's some kind of um, technological solution that was invented for a specific problem and was reappropriated by the artist as a means of expression. A a previous project that we did during the pandemic called the social distancing, with an accent on the dancing part of it, we were exploring how video conference, Zoom, as everybody uh, got to know it during pandemics, was a valid means for creative collaboration, not as a substitute for a real world performance, real world uh, practice, which or might not be, but as a, as a creative means on its in its own right that would produce different kind of artistic output. So after having a session over Zoom, dancers produce a piece that wouldn't have happened any other way. And that has some value. It's, it's, it's an uh, art hidden affordances in every use of technology that can be can be repurposed, can be reclaimed, can be used in in different ways. Okay, I think this is quite a good end actually to our talk because um, it leaves the questions to our listeners what they think about it. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you, Adrian, for talking about your project today. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you, Madeleine, and I'm looking forward to listening to the the rest of the interviews in the series. Culture 2.0.eu